0: Baby talk. Baby talk. I baby talk my dogs. I don't mind telling you. I am a big baby talker uh, to dogs. I just am. Uh, I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Mornings with Carmen on the Faith Radio Network. Uh, Do you baby talk anybody? I mean, I don't really so much baby talk children. I like speak to children as if they, yeah, as if they are learning to speak appropriately. So I don't baby talk children. I confess that. I do baby talk dogs. Uh, Actually, I also baby talk cows. I might be a baby talker to animals. There you go. Uh, Are you a baby talker? Do 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 you talk baby? Hey, how about talking about babies? It's a Christmas. You know, like Christmas is coming and it's about a baby. I mean, let's not miss what Christmas is really all about. It's about a baby. And so this is the time of year when we ought to be talking about babies. And as soon as I say that out loud, I I know that in your heart, you are incredibly mindful of the pain related to pregnancy loss. I know that because a huge percentage of our moms, our sisters, our daughters, our granddaughters, have suffered pregnancy loss, our wives. Um, And for those of you who have women in your life right now who are desperately desiring to have a baby and are having either difficult conceiving or difficulty carrying a baby to term, I know that when we start talking babies, it is really, really hard. And so I want you to know that I'm aware of that and I feel that and both the celebration of a baby on the way and the despair of not being able to conceive when you believe it's the right time to have a baby and a baby is not forthcoming. Um, Both of those realities are realities in the lives of young women who young couples who I love very, very much. And so I'm praying today for those families who desperately want a baby and are having difficulty conceiving or have suffered pregnancy loss. And I'm praying today for women who are pregnant and didn't plan to be. May you regard yourself as highly favored. You are the vessel of a blessing through whom God intends to deliver a child into this world. A child who he conceived of in his heart of hearts before the foundations of the earth. And I'm praying today for those who are preparing for the children that God will send in whatever manner they come into our lives, however they come. I mean, that's the kind of baby talk we need to be having. Our growing your faith verse of the day comes from Galatians chapter four, verses four and five. When the right time came... God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. You hear that? Uh, you hear the baby talk in there? <laughs> you hear the talk of children in there? We often focus on the why of Galatians 4 4 and 5. Why uh, did God send Jesus? Well, so that he could adopt us as his very own children, like there is a redemptive purpose for the birth of Christ. But Paul is also clear in these verses about the how. Jesus was born of a woman. When the right time came, God sent his son born of a woman, subject to the realities of this fallen and broken world, subject to the law. Why does that matter? Because it matters that Jesus is conceived of the Holy Spirit, that he is God's own son, that he is fully God. But it also matters, for our benefit, that Jesus is fully man. The God-man. Conceived of, by God, yes, but born of a woman. At just the right time in human history to accomplish God's eternal will. So... um, Guess who's coming to town, or guess who's coming for Christmas, or guess who's about to arrive? Well, all of the answers to those questions are Jesus. He is on the way. And he, uh, we're going to celebrate his birth in just a few short weeks. We call it Christmas. But on an entirely different note, have you heard of Krampus? I'm going to confess to you. I had not heard of Krampus, and now that I have heard of Krampus, I'm freaked out. Just going on record this morning and saying the demonic anti-Santa, who isn't just coming to town, in many cases he's already here, I'm just going on the record and saying I am not a fan. Not a fan of Krampus. You're saying to yourself, who is Krampus? Well, Krampus hails from the alpine towns of Central Europe, Krampus wears a red cloak trimmed with white fur, just like Santa Claus, but underneath the robes, there is, you know, not jolly old St. Nicholas, but the body of a hairy horned goat-like monster with spindly, sharp fingernails and a long, creepy tongue. Think like, uh, what was that band that had that guy with that long, yeah, think think that, yeah, For centuries, according to regional folklore, Krampus has been sort of like the bad cop to St. Nick's good cop. So you got jolly old Kris Kringle, who gives out presents, and you got Krampus, who beats kids with sticks. Krampus! I have never heard of Krampus, and yet, this year, six-and-a-half-foot-tall animatronic Krampus is available. And people are putting Krampus on their front porch and in their yard decor. And they're dressing those giant skeletons up that they, you know, that they got for their Halloween decor. And they're putting a red cloak on that skelly and turning him into Krampus. And I wasn't aware of this either. There are towns across America hosting Christmas haunted houses. I didn't know those existed either. All of this to say, um, it appears that we're just seeking to find more and more ways to pervert the real meaning of Christmas and to turn it into something that it just is not. It's about a baby, and his name is Jesus. And my invitation is to get fully centered on him and prepare for the way that God intends to deliver us. through the baby he delivers, through a woman named Mary. Our friend Nick Pitts is going to join us next, and we are going to survey some of the headlines of the day. I'm going to straight up ask him, who is Sabrina Carpenter? What did she do, and why should we care? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Our friend Nick Pitts is joining us today. I feel confident he is all up to speed on baby talk. Good morning, Nick.
2: Good morning, Carmen. Happy Tuesday to y'all.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you baby talk
2: your dog? Baby talk my dog? Uh, mm-hmm. That would be no. I think my mm. baby, though, will learn that I, uh, her first words will probably be, Freddie, no, or Freddie, stop, or Freddie, down. I, uh, our dog oh. is about, is 18 months, and he knows keenly what not to do. Um, and he is, he's just, he's a wild, he's a wild teenager. It's a wild teenager of a dog <laughs> that needs to be, is in desperate need of training. And my, our daughter just smiles and smiles whenever I yell at him constantly, constantly to stop eating that, which is not edible and doing that, which is not prohibited. Oh, wow.
0: <laughs> oh, I love it. So I'm trying to get people, you know, to, to be talking baby because it's you know getting to be the baby time of year and Jesus and so I just confess that, um, you know although we need to have serious conversations about the reality of who Jesus, who of who Jesus is, I I baby talk uh, I baby I don't baby talk babies so much but I do baby talk my dogs and my cows I'm a big I am I I speak to them in tones that I don't use with human beings and they're responsive baby anyway. I know baby talk cows. I've never heard that. I've never heard. Oh my that. gosh, mine come like they they now come running across the field when I yeah when I give. <laughs> I know it's it's. I know it might be a problem. Um, who is Sabrina Carpenter? <laughs> what did she do, and why should we care?
2: Oh, uh, great question. Sabrina Carpenter is uh, is a young American singer, pop star. You might have recognized her from some Disney uh, shows that she's moved on from now and now. She is causing headlines in a new way, in that she has decided to film one of her latest music videos out of a church. And to, to say that it would be provocative dancing might be the understatement of the year. And then also to just kind of share some uh, questionable props in a church and uh, just acting unbecoming dancing upon an altar. That's caused quite a stir within a church up in New York and now has, uh, has generated headlines causing us to question, uh, did these people really know who God is?
0: Well, and the use of a sacred space, a church um, for the filming of this particular video you know, I mean I think part of this goes to the question of um the use of of our churches, what we allow to happen there, the the funding needs that churches have, you know, obviously they're renting themselves out for all kinds of things these days. Um, there's a responsibility that we have as stewards of the places and spaces that we consider sacred. Um, and to not allow these kinds of things to take place in those spaces. I mean, the, the, the co-opting of so many Christian things in relationship to this clearly non-Christian, even anti-Christian um, messaging and video. Um, do, do, you, do you see where I'm, I'm trying to get us to consider what we allow to happen in the spaces that we have intentionally set apart? All space is sacred, like right. It's not as if there's a sacred, um, secular divide. But we have intentionally set some spaces apart as holy unto God.
2: Yeah, I um, uh, you know, uh, there's I, I completely agree. There the sacred secular divide. I, I never want to, uh, I never want to continue to further buttress that. But I also want to recognize the reality that whether there were individuals for hundreds of years that have, I'll just say this for this church in particular, I, I think about the widow's Mike. I think about mm-hmm. those men and women that before us that gave of their very last in order that there might be a space for themselves as well as for future generations to seek the Lord and to find solace and comfort in his promises and to listen to and participate in communion, to listen to teachings, et cetera. And for someone, uh, and I think that there's, there's a, re- I don't want to take away the responsibility of the individuals that rent out the church now, because I do know that's a growing industry, but there's a number of churches, a, a fast growing industry is turning old churches into, into condominiums into restaurants. I mean, there's even one in Nashville. Um, there's a great restaurant in Nashville that used to be a former church. I think it's a barbecue place now. Um, and so I know that there's, there's a, uh, uh, industry that's caught, that wants these spaces that individuals from prior generations have set aside and given their money to in order that people might find and learn about who God is but i just think that we need to be aware and be conscientious when we're doing such things and then too kind of what i what i really wanted to push at is i'm just bummed i'm not mad about it i'm not mad at Sabrina carpenter you know, I expect lost people to act like lost people. Mm -hmm. I'm just bummed. I'm just bummed and sad that she is, she doesn't have a good reason to dance. She might have a reason to dance in her music video and dance upon an altar, but she doesn't have a good reason to dance like David before the Lord, because of the joy of his promises and his deliverance. She doesn't, she doesn't she, I don't think she fully comprehends the idea of a God that it says in Galatians 1 that was delighted to reveal himself to us, a God that has lavished his love upon us. That's not contingent on our behavior towards him. I don't think she's comprehended the idea of a God that sent His son to die so that she might experience the fullness of life and the completion of her joy. I'm just bummed that she chooses to use that God in that space for purposes w- when he when he wants to do so much more i'm just bummed that she's missing out on that
0: yeah that's really good language i um yeah i'm bummed too that's um, that's a good word for it um we're going to come back in just a moment with a better media story chevrolet has a holiday to remember advertisement that we want to talk about Um, So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Feelings, nothing more than feelings. I mean, seriously, if all we had was nothing more than feelings, we would just be lost in a sea of mush. Hello, friend. Uh, I'm sure you have noticed by now that feelings are a terrible barometer of the truth. Our feelings are affected by the weather, world events, what we ate last night, whether or not someone we like or love texted or tagged us in a social post how badly someone else sings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you're feeling lonely right now, I want you to ask yourself, am I really ever truly alone? Of course not. As a follower of Christ, Jesus promises to be with you always. He's literally with you right now in the thick of it, in the midst of whatever circumstances you're dealing with in your life. So I want to be a source of hope and encouragement to you today. If you are struggling to make it Even just to the next moment, if you're feeling lonely, text the word HOPE to 877-933-2484. Our friend Nick Pitts is here with us. Nick, have you seen Chevrolet's A Holiday to Remember advertisement?
2: Oh my goodness, Carmen. I think there was something that flew in my eye while I was watching it. I mean, there was, I mean, I just had, there was some substance that was coming. I don't know what it was. It was just, yes, I've, I've seen it. I have, uh, gone, gone through a variety of motions with it. And, uh, it is yet another reason why our holidays are just such a special, special time of the year.
0: Hey, if you haven't seen it and you want me to send you the direct link, you can send me a text 877-933-2484. I'll send you the link. Um, tell people what happens in, in Chevrolet's a holiday to remember advertisement. I mean, obviously they're selling, yeah. they're selling trucks, but actually the one that is advertised in the, or the one that's in the video, you can't buy because it's super old. But, you know, tell, tell us what happens in the video.
2: Yeah. So we're, we're getting this picture of a holiday meal, a uh, family, multiple generations are gathering together. And in the corner, we have uh, an older woman that who has suffered, who is suffering from dementia, just kind of isolated. And it, if you are one of the, uh, there's approximately 7 million Americans who have a family member that is suffering with some form of dementia. And, and so for tens of millions of americans they know that they know that feeling very well where there can just be a sense of alienation there can be a sense of loss and despair and hopelessness but there is in this commercial and it slips by when i hear five i don't i don't want to turn anyone off when i say it's five minutes long because it seems like it's just two seconds um but then there is it is is it is
0: totally five minutes worth the watch
2: Oh my goodness. Yeah. And then when, so you have this woman that is suffering from dementia in the corner by herself holidays where everybody's coming together. Well, then one millennial um, I assume it's around a millennial age girl decides to take grandma out for a ride in the old car that she had so many memories with and takes her around town and talks about all of the moments that, uh, that were made those places so special. And it's just so heartwarming. And then she comes back to the house and her uh, her husband is there to bring her back into the house to continue to participate in this celebratory family meal where multiple generations have gathered together. It's just such a rich, rich, rich commercial, and just a a reminder uh, of just the links, um, uh, just the links that families can go and just just be heartwarmed because of it. It's just a it's a rich commercial.
0: Um. I'm going to be quick to say that um, dementia is progressive, and we want to be quick to say that not every person um, with advancing dementia is going to respond as the grandmother in the video responds. Uh-huh. Not everyone is going to have those moments of awakening, um, but but there's something very sweet about going back to the places that, um, particularly our family members with Alzheimer's, going back to the places that they do remember um helping them to return to uh, those those places where lucidity is remains possible and so I, um yes it is um i mean I, you know I mean, I know people are texting. They're like, Jesus isn't at the center of what they're doing. We're trying to have a conversation here about oh, the the me- reality. I mean, the reality of the challenges that we face in our families and the simple humanity of reconnecting with one oh, another.
2: But here, here, and maybe, maybe, call me crazy, call me far fetched, but it, I, I'd love. To see the gospel rhythms in this commercial, mm-hmm. let's think about it for a second. And maybe call me wrong with this. We have a God that we know that we are prone to wonder. We know that we're prone to forget who God is volitionally and just unknowingly to us. But yet we have a God that continually seeks out and reminds us like Hosea did with Gomer. Reminds us of who he is. Reminds us of where he's taking us. Where he's taken us from, and continues to shower us with love unconditionally. And his love isn't contingent upon what we do, but upon who he is. And even though we might be faithless, he's faithful, for he can't deny himself. He's what he says in Second Timothy. And so, what we see are, are there gospel rhythms of just this of this little of this woman that is reaching out to an older generation that's not willing to forget about her, but is willing to wanting to love her and come alongside her. I, I think that's part. That's not the main reason for the commercial, but I think that you can see you can see how God could be working in the lessons that God wants to teach, even through this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, that's a really good point. Um, you and I have both read um, a little bit about millennials who apparently think that their parents exist to raise their grandkids. So, can you talk a little bit about? Um, <laughs> Young adults who are now married and have kids of their own, maybe you and your wife fall into that category, um, but my guess is you do not have the expectation that her parents and or your parents are going to put off, um, you know, their own life in order to raise your child.
2: Yeah, this is a, this, this, this subject has hit a a little bit, this touches a little bit closer to home for (laughs) us as somebody that I've got an eight month old right now at the house. And so we are actually going back to Tennessee this weekend and can't wait. And I think my parents can't wait to see Dottie. They can give two rips about seeing me, but that's a whole nother story. And so um, I I do know that many of my millennial friends as well as those that are uh, millennial parent, newborn parents, there's just a greater and greater expectation to help out uh, because again what you have uh, that differentiates us from previous generations is that you have two individuals in the family that are working it's not just a one uh, one income household anymore and so there's just a greater expectation for grandma and grandpa to help out and then there's just uh, also there's a uh, there's for some there's less of a inclination to want to help Either one, because they want an uh, older generation, a boomer generation, wants to live their life, or two, wants to uh, kind of uh, just has their own life that they want to live. Um, but I, I would say that that's, I, I can't relate to that experience just because both my wife and I are uh, out of town. And so any chance that we get to go home or any chance our our parents get to come see d- little Dottie, they are uh, jumping uh, head over foot to, to make their way here. So, but yeah, we're, we're just continuing to see just, I think it's just the reality of uh, two parents that are both working in the household, a greater expectation to help out, especially when childcare costs are so high.
0: Yeah, no, that's really good. I, and I will say as a, you know, as a grandparent who has the expectation of more grandbabies, uh, maybe even one in this next year, Um, Or more. Who knows, right? Because, you know, a year Mm -hmm. is a long time. A year is enough time to have, you know, to go through the whole process and have a baby. So uh, Grandma Mm -hmm. Carmen may be, you know, more blessed with more grandbabies in the year to come. And um, I I will say that there is a particular joy in being able to give time as a gift. Mm -hmm. And that, that really is the gift. The gift is the gift of time and time shared and it doesn't really matter what we're doing um it just matters that we're um that we're there and that we're present and that we're loving and that we're caring um you know i'm i may not be the the quote unquote fun grandma that takes them to do all the things i just might not that just might not be how they remember me when they grow up but you know i'll be the one that made it possible for um you know you to have something to do that was meaningful to you Um, while everybody else was doing what everybody else was doing. Like, I'm super intentional about each one's individual personality and their needs. And so I just think that you sort of find your own rhythm as a grandparent. Um, And it's not, Mm -hmm. it's not that like, you know, I'm the drop off spot. However, I mean, if you if you drop your kid off, I'm going to probably put them to work. (laughs) <laughs> so only drop off only drop off the kid that wants to work. That would be because I mean no we live on a working farm so you know there's always something that oh, needs man. doing.
2: Oh yeah. I, and yeah. and I think you bring up Great point. Like it, it is, the, it's the picture of Lois and Eunice, right, from Timothy. Yeah, uh, that's right. Of, of Paul being so very grateful for for the good deposit they put in young Timothy, of his mother and his grandmother in him. You obviously you do not want kids that just take advantage of parents, and and of course we we don't want that. That's that's failing to see the gift for parents that they are, but also for grandparents that might be reluctant to help out their kids or to to be grandparents. To don't miss out on that opportunity. Like you said, this, there's a reason why, especially the, that's what makes this article so timely. This is the Advent season. This is mm-hmm. Emmanuel. This is God with us. There is the greatest gift you can give someone is your time. It's because it's yourself. We only have 24 hours in a day. How do you want to spend that time that you have in a day? I'm reminded, and I, I think this applies as well to grandparenting, but more so to parenting uh, of the Andy Stanley line. Uh, he, always, he talks about how uh, perhaps the greatest thing you can do in this world isn't necessarily something you do, but someone you raise. Um, and I just want to be very cognizant of, of the time that I've been given. Yes, I can't spend on working, But I can't spend on sharpening an arrow and shooting it as far as I can towards the glory of God so that it might create joy in her soul and good in this world.
0: That's so good. That's so good. That's so precious. Hey, for those of you who are grandparents and you want a little encouragement, maybe you want to improve your Christian grandparenting, um, I just encourage you to check out Legacy Coalition. Um, They're doing really good work. Nick, uh, as always, thank you so much, brother. We really appreciate it.
1: Hey, so as we pivot to, to, um, to
0: oh, it's just great to be with you. As we pivot to our conversation with our friend Luke Moon from the Philos Project, um, you guys know that the headlines um, are about to get pretty heavy because we're going to be talking about um, the ongoing war between Israel and uh, Hamas terrorists in in Gaza. And we we talked about the growing regional conflict and U.S. engagement. If you were to um, Google it today, what is going to top the headline news um, across every media outlet, the front page of the New York Times, the lead at the BBC, CNN, Fox, NBC, Business Insider, um, National Review, doesn't really matter which one you turn to right now, on the topic of Israel, the lead headline is going to be the eyewitness accounts of sexual violence perpetrated by Hamas against Israeli women and men. and so that is, um, we've, been, we've been talking about it, but we've been talking about the fact that mainstream media has not been talking about it, and now they are, which um, leads us to be increasingly prayerful about all of those um, and for all of those involved. Uh, our friend Luke Moon is going to join us next. We are going to do a little update on what is happening in the Israeli war, and we're also going to talk about, you know, like, what's next, what happens after. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Friend Luke Moon is back. You can find him and lots of resources at philosproject.org. Philos like Philadelphia like friend. P H I L O S philosproject.org. Good morning, Luke.
1: Good morning, Carmen.
0: Um October the 7th um is is just going to be a day that now marks um, not only the history of a place and a people, but really increasingly marks us all. Um, I suppose, like, September 11th marks us as a people um, as well. Can you just talk with us as as time has unfolded? Um, certainly, you know, we know that the war has resumed in terms of, you know, kinetic warfare, and um, but can you just talk with us from your perspective? Like, what does it feel like has happened? Um, since the last time we talked two weeks ago,
1: yeah, no, it's been you know it, in the interim. Obviously, there was a there was a pause in the in the war effort, and there was hostages released. But then you know the ceasefire broke down, rockets were fired at Israel again, and as you say, kinetic war began again. the The real issue is, I think that there is still a massive. Uh, lack of understanding of what to do next, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, there is, there's no real good option, no real good plan on what to do after Hamas is destroyed. I mean, Israel is committed to taking out Hamas, like, you know, in the way that they went after Nazis after, you know, after World War II and the way they went after the Munich terrorists that killed the, uh, the, the Israeli Olympians, um, they're going to just find them wherever they are in the world, uh, but in the that that doesn't really solve the the more existential issue is what happens to Gaza itself mm-hmm. um, you know in the peace deal between Israel and Egypt back in the Camp David Accord under carter uh, in the deal itself, Egypt says. Uh, we do not want Gaza. Like we're that's not ours. Don't give it to us. We don't want those people. And, and it's to me that says something about you know basically this hot potato that has been Gaza for the you know for a long time. I mean that was '78. That was a long time ago. I mean I, I was a young man then, <laughs> five, and and so it's it, it what presents itself is no real good options because you know one option is the palestinian authority come in and they take charge but they they are will be seen by the people as puppets basically um plus mahmoud abbas who's the who's the head of the palestinian authority uh he doesn't have even the credibility in the west bank and it's you know he could die at any moment he's a very old man uh who often has health complications uh there have been several times in the last couple of years where i thought oh man this is it this is when he goes and he sticks around um and at, but at some point you know death comes for us all and so that's a you know and there's no there's no great plan b there's going to be a warlordism after he dies because no one has no one's really in charge. option B is is that you know an international force comes in to take over uh Gaza. There, there's not I don't think there's a political a, a, a president in the world that has enough political capital to put his soldiers uh, or her soldiers on 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 the ground in Gaza. It's just like no one has that. And it's and then the third option is uh is you know Israeli occupation, which the world already hates, anyways, and and so it's a it's a tough choice, and the the world is not going to be helpful in that anyways because they've proven themselves uh, whenever possible to undermine the Israelis. Um, you know, it's the only country in the world that's uh, Douglas Murray said this the only country in the world that's expected to fight to a draw. You know, they're mm. expected not to yeah. win, and um, and that's the problem because that's what you—that's how we got to where we are with Hamas.
0: You will hear people talk about um, the the desire and you know the right of Palestinian people to self governance and self rule. Um, that is largely dependent on a people who who have an infrastructure upon which to. Build prosperity that does not exist anymore. I mean, I think it is safe to say that at right. the end of this, whatever else will be true of the place we call Gaza, um, it will it will need to be utterly rebuilt. Um, yeah, that that is going to be a huge global conversation in terms of who is willing to do that, um, how much money are people willing to invest in that, um, and I mean, I don't have any doubt that there will be countries that are willing to put forward the capital to do that. But I'm also very aware that every time we hear reference to something in Gaza, um, it, it has a Christian name attached to it. It's a Baptist hospital or it's a, you know, I mean, there the language related to this is yeah. Christians have invested heavily, heavily um, in Gaza uh, for the last ge- two generations. And during yeah. that time terrorism has it has been a place where terrorism has grown and and been bred so we have not we as christians the the christians who have engaged there have not done a good job helping the people move in the direction of self-governance and self-rule that's meaningful
1: yeah no and it the problem is it is like they were given that opportunity several times since since uh when israel pulled out of gaza in 2005 uh saying it's all like it's yours guys thrive and and actually at the time when they left they provide there was greenhouses in gaza that provided 25% of the world's organic vegetables and and the, when israel left they turned them over to the gazans and the gazans burned them to the ground um that is that is like it's a it's a real conundrum what do you do with with these people nobody wants to have in their country even like let you know there was like i said the the egyptians are like no we do not want them don't give them to us nobody else wants them and that is that that presents a real challenge um and it's also i mean there are only, what, 700 Christians left in Gaza out of a population of 2 million, which basically makes it the most religiously and ethnically homogenous place on the earth that I can think of. Maybe North Korea uh, is is more ethnically homogenous, but that would be it, right? Like, there's just it, – it is a very and, – and I think that that presents its own challenge, Um yeah, I it's the the way forward here is 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 not ripe with good options. I mean the on, and on your self determination point. I mean there is there's different kinds of self determination too. You know there is the you know there there's the you know regular state model as like you know the state of New York or the state of Washington. You know elects members to a national government, but they also elect you know the local mayor and county council etc and then there's the you know the washington dc or um puerto rico which have self-determination they elect their own you know basically uh territorial representatives and they have a seat in congress but that doesn't they don't have authority um and so there are different layers of self-determination i think having self-determination is a is a real value but it, you know to your point it also matters who who is in charge and what's going to take i think to govern the gazans and the people of the west bank is going to be um I mean the the current the PA currently rules it with a a very strong hand. I mean there was a demonstration or a, an attempted demonstration of six people in, in pro Hamas supporters in Ramallah, and in about five minutes that whole thing got shut down, uh, and all those re- all those people that came to to march were carried off in the Palestinian prisons. Um, so there there isn't any like oh. You know, let's the the number of Jeffersonian liberals in the West Bank and Gaza is very small. Um, And we just got to keep that in mind. It's a different place.
0: It is a different place. We're going to continue our conversation with Luke Moon here in just a moment. You guys can uh, you can always weigh in uh, and you can suggest uh, questions that you'd like to hear answered. The text line is open, 877-933-2484. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Listen to Faith Radio live or on demand, no matter where you go. Download the free Faith Radio app at your app store today. We've been hearing in um, in the news headlines today about an event that took place in the city of Philadelphia, um, outside of a falafel shop that is um, owned and operated by uh, Jewish individuals, um, and the the mayor of the city of Philadelphia, the governor of the state of Pennsylvania, others have said this was not an a pro uh, Palestinian um, event. the th- this this crossed the line into overt anti-Semitism, and so. Luke Moon is here with us. I know of no better person to ask this question of wh- where where is that line?
1: Well, I mean, hopefully that line started before the, the 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 you know, anti-Jewish Delhi uh rally. I mean, it's it's I mean, the the real definition anything that is uniquely targeting Jews for being Jews or Israel for being Israel that holds them to a standard that's not applied to anybody else. Uh, that That's the kind of stuff that's anti-Semitic. And I think one of the things that I've been talking to people about, kind of some silver linings about this war, one, it has been that the The rest of america finally sees i think what what i have been seeing for a long time which is the just the degree to which anti-semitism is a real evil in this country um Mm -hmm. you know we've been been fighting it for several years many years now uh and i would go to events where i would talk to christians and they say like well anti-semitism is still happening that's a real thing and and Now everybody sees it. I think the other thing is, Carmen, is that uh, I think people are realizing that what starts with the Jews doesn't end with the Jews, right? Like there is a, you know, from you you probably remember back in the days when we were doing a lot of awareness raising about Christian persecution in the Middle East and Iraq and Jordan and Egypt, etc. And one of the things that was commonly said by the jihadis was First the Saturday people, and then the Sunday people. First they come after the Jews, and then they come after the Christians. And I think that has manifested itself here in the United States because they started protesting, you know, uh, outside Jewish locations, and then as of you know this this week, uh, there's been a lot of tree lighting ceremonies around the country that are also being shut down. The one in Rockefeller center here in New York city was, was uh there was a massive demonstration against it. So it, it didn't start. It didn't, it didn't end with the Jews. It turned to, Oh, you, your Christian holiday will go after that too. And even like, you know, in Bethlehem, like, like not, not the one in Pennsylvania, but the one in Israel, uh they shut down their, their planned Christmas. And it's, it just shows that that the, the reality that it doesn't end with the Jews, it starts with them. But you know the degree to which we're grafted into the blessings of the Jewish people, uh, we're also blessed. We're also grafted in uh, to to the persecution. So it's not going to end with them, and we got to be awake for it.
0: How do we um, how do we respond? How do Christians? rightly respond, and it's okay to be repetitive. Don't worry if it's things that you and I have talked about before, maybe on several occasions. It bears repeating. Um, Sometimes we don't hear it until we are attuned to hear it when something has finally captured our attention and our heart, Um, and so how do we as Christians respond?
1: Well, I would say, so we have this thing where we where we encourage people to bring a bouquet of white roses to a Jewish location, it could be a synagogue, a Jewish day school, a a Jewish community center, and just say, hey, I'm a Christian. I'm standing in friendship with you. I recognize this a difficult time. Uh, There's a bunch of menorah lightings that uh, that are going to take place across the country on Thursday of this week. I encourage Christians to go to those menorah lightings Bring flowers and and just say, hey, I'm 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 a friend that is I'm, I'm telling you, you will, you will watch people cry in front of you. It's 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 incredibly powerful and it's a gesture of of like, you know, what what I think we as Christians are supposed to do at this moments like this and just show love.
0: Yeah, that is really good. Um, and in some communities, menorah lighting ceremonies have been canceled. Um, maybe you could yeah. host one. Uh, maybe you yeah. could um, reach out to Jewish individuals uh, and families who you know in your community and just say, hey, um, are you are you having a menorah lighting? Can I come? Um, if yeah. you're not having a menorah lighting, could we host one? Um, so, yes. Yeah, so this Thursday is incredible.
1: That would be incredible. A, would be incredible. A, right? It yeah it would be really yeah i mean listen if if christians around the wor- country heck around the world showed up all over the country at the menorah lightings just in saying hey we're here for you we're with you like i it would it would it, it would be immensely powerful like p- p- more powerful than just about anything that you like you would do in relation to jewish people
0: yeah um a person um Uh, just texted in and said, hey, I'm listening to your show uh, right now, driving to work in downtown St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm faced with a brand new billboard on the freeway that says Save Gaza. It's paid for by the Anti-Arab Defamation League. How should I think about that? Um, And how how should I? Yeah. So how should I think about that? How should I respond? Billboards is an interesting billboards, bumper (laughs) stickers, like it's an interesting uh, thing happening across the country. Well, I, I, I
1: actually think we should pray for Gaza. I think we should pray for the, like, the people of Gaza to, to thrive and flourish uh, without terrorism, without terrorists running them, right? I think we can pray simultaneously for the peace of Gaza and for the end of Hamas. Actually, I mm-hmm. think we should pray for the end of Hamas um, and, and any, any Hamas-like groups that want to come after them. Uh, because that, that's that's the real reason the Palestinians have been suffering, is they have bad leaders who are more committed to destroying Jews than they are to serving and loving their own people.
0: Hmm. That's so good. Um, Luke, as always, um, thank you so much. We're so grateful for you. If you guys want to connect and um, find out more information about coming alongside uh, Christians who are seeking to engage positively in the Middle East, check out what is happening at philosproject.org. Um, Thank you for those of you who are texting in this morning. Thank you for those of you who are praying. Thank you for those of you who are saying, hey, I'm checking out where the menorah lightings are going to be in my community. I'm reaching out right now um, on my own phone uh, via text to my friend Cheryl. She is um Jewish. She lives in my city, and I'm going to find out where you know where are the menorah lightings uh, happening in my town on Thursday night, and I'm going to find one close to me that I can attend. Um, maybe you could do the same. It's one simple act. Yeah, you can you can take you can take white flowers with you, white roses in particular, and just say I'm a friend, or you can just show up. Like you don't have to take anything but yourself and the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding. That. Uh, dwells within you, so let's um let's be let's be proactive on this front, um, this week as our Jewish friends and neighbors um, begin the celebration of of Hanukkah. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We got another hour up next. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith.